Let's thank Isabel. Such a bright light in a dark world she is. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, online community. It's great to have you uh, with us today. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor here at this fantastic church, the Gathering Place Church. The privilege to pastor here. How long can you keep a secret? About an hour. <laughs> yeah. If you won the lottery, could you keep that a secret? Really? You think? Yeah. For the rest of your life? Yeah. If you, if you called in sick and you lied and you went out and you hit a hole in one and you're by yourself, are you able to keep that a secret? Or you got, yeah, see, how long can you keep a secret? I'll tell you why I'm going to, why I ask that question in just a minute. Last week I opened a, um, a message in our Holy Spirit series on what is the Holy Spirit's primary purpose. And, uh, okay, let's see if you remember what did we come up with? What is the Holy Spirit's primary purpose in your life? To glorify Jesus. To glorify Jesus. I, there's all sorts of answers we could give to encourage us, to comfort us. I'm a little disturbed that one of the primary answers I've received to this question is to convict us of sin. And, and that is not true. He does convict us of sin, you know, when that needs to happen. However, that we, that answer comes from, I believe, us being more sin consciousness than Christ consciousness. More sin conscious than Christ conscious. When you read the scriptures, you will see that when you see Jesus, it deals with sin. Peter said when he saw that Jesus was more than a rabbi, when he had that, that miraculous catch of fish, he realized who he was, fell down and said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. You see, it was a revelation of Jesus. Isaiah going into the temple of God to complain about the condition of the nation. He's going to the temple of God, and all of a sudden he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And then he said, depart from me. I'm a man of unclean lips among a people that's unclean. You see, when you see the holiness of God, it reveals your unholiness. And it, you're just undone. But then how does the Lord respond to that revelation of your sinfulness? He just touches you. He says, come on, let's go. And he brings you into a path of life. See, when we think the Holy Spirit's job is to catch us doing wrong, that's just a completely misperception uh, um, of who the Holy Spirit is. He is revealing Jesus to us. And that's the first thing we looked at last week, and that is uh, the, the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. And there's three ways he does it. The first one we looked at last week the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus' glory to you. You cannot know who Jesus is unless the Holy Spirit reveals him to you. You can be in church your whole life, looking at your phone in a church service, and, <clears throat> and you miss Jesus. Yeah, well, I grew up in church, but you didn't know him, did you? Jesus said that the Pharisees who were leading the church in the first century, you search the scriptures. For in the scriptures, in the Bible, you think you have life, but they point to me. But you won't come to me. They missed salvation. They knew the scriptures, but they missed the Savior because they weren't paying attention. We think that once you know a certain amount of Jesus, I get it. I got it. No, you don't. You got nothing. 
We looked last week at how John the Apostle met Jesus as a teenager, walked with him, lived with him, ate with him, did miracles with him for three and a half years. Then for decades, he uh, was the apostle of the church. And yet it was in his, he's in his 90s. Jesus appears to him, the resurrected Christ, with eyes of fire, two of his sword coming out of his mouth. John fell down as dead. And it says Jesus touched him. He said, I want you to write down everything I'm about to tell you. And he wrote seven letters to the churches, the churches of that day. And now we're the church of this day. We're the church of Jesus Christ. And the Savior, the Son of God, is still wanting to talk to us about his church. I want to say this to you. If you think you're hearing from Jesus, he'll be talking to you about his church. The church is his bride. I was just over here praying for my bride. She needs a miracle. We need her to be healed. I'm in the middle of worship thinking about my bride. I was thinking about the, when we first got married and I saw her in my mind and I'm praying over her while we're in worship. That's my bride. We are his bride. Don't speak ugly of another man's bride. He might smack you in the mouth. Don't talk bad about Jesus' church. It's his bride. She may be, you know, needing a little makeup, but... She's going to get there, all right? He's going to glorify her, the Bible says. He is building us up into his glorious bride. The last couple years was a purging of those who said they were the bride of Christ, committed to him as their husband. But they were found out to what their true loves really were. Jesus said to the Ephesians church, you're doing all these great ministries, but I'm going to shut your church down because of this one thing. What was it? You don't love me like you did at first. This is about us. This is about a love affair between you and me, Jesus says. How do you keep that heart on fire for Jesus? It's not by willpower. It's by what power? Spirit Spirit power. Say, Holy Spirit, help me. See, our flesh wants us to go that way. We want to be entertained. We want to be spiritually lazy. See, if you don't stay committed to prayer, to the word, to coming into church, to fellowship, to worship, you don't participate, you're just going to grow colder and colder and colder, more distant from him, and you're going to become the worst thing in the world, indifferent. You know the Bible, you know church, you know Christianity, but you're just lukewarm, indifferent. How would you like, wife, or your husband to feel that way about you and about your marriage? Or kids, you like your parents just, ah, you know, it's just not kid. I got six, you know. I can lose a couple, not a big deal, you know. It's horrible. Nobody wants to be in a relationship where it's just like, eh, lukewarm. The Holy Spirit is the one who keeps that fire burning inside of us. And this is the second point. The Holy Spirit not only glorifies Jesus to you, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus' glory in you. This right here is the multi-billion dollar lottery. It is the secret, the Bible says, that was literally kept not for how would you, how long did you say? An hour? About an hour? Yeah. Or a day? Or a week? This secret 
was kept for how long? Let's read it. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past. God kept a secret for centuries and generations. What secret? But now it has been revealed to God's people. What is it? For God wanted them to know that the riches of the, say it out loud, glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Now here's what New Age will tell you. The secret is the universe. Manifest. You can manifest things, right? The universe will bring it to you. You can draw things to you by your natural power. I, I saw somebody on television the, the other day, a Christian who's got platform talking about manifesting and that the universe, and you can draw things to you using scripture. I'm like, that is blasphemy. That's new age. And it's not new, it's old. It's all the way back from the Garden of Eden that you can be a God. You can control your own destiny. No, you can't. Your destiny is heaven or hell. And you can't do anything about that unless you give your life to Jesus. Period. End of story. The Bible says it is a sign for every person to die once and then the judgment. The only thing we're drawn to ourselves is judgment. Jesus is drawn salvation. Can I hear an amen in here? Is this like... I know it's holiday season and all, but I'm a, I'm a preacher, so that's what we're going to do. So what is the secret? You know that book that came out, The Secret? Yeah. And all that new age stuff that, you know, the universe and drawing stuff and manifesting? The Secret. Well, here's the secret. Right here it is. Look, we're reading the Bible. And this is the secret. This is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing His glory. What does that mean? What does it mean to have Christ in you and you sharing His glory? Well, this is you. Just nothing spectacular. Just there, you know. I mean, you may be prettier than some, or more handsome than some, a little more athletic than some, maybe richer than some, smarter than some, but really, I mean, honestly, you're just kind of average. Until Jesus comes along. And what's the Bible say is the secret of Christianity, the secret that's been hidden from ages and generations? The secret. Is not you living on your own power. The secret is that the God of the universes, the God that reveals Jesus to you, here's the secret. And see, Satan didn't know this. That's why the secret was hidden. Satan thought when he killed Jesus, he had won. But the reason Jesus allowed himself to be murdered on that cross was so that he could go down to hell and destroy death, hell, and the grave. He risen from the dead. Then he called your name. He drew you. He's knocking on the door of your heart and saying, come to me. And you say, the moment, the moment you just barely say, yeah, then get yes out of your mouth. And he goes, Amen. What just happened? 
You didn't join a club, I promise you that. What just happened was the greatest secret in the history of forever. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, moved inside your body. Look what Paul says about this. We now have this shining light in our hearts. We have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. That's why when people say, what would Jesus do? I'm like, I don't know. Let's ask him and find out. And then once you find out, you're like, okay, let's do that. I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going with you. I'm going to stop and ask Jesus to do that in me and through me. Right? I mean, if you're going to have one bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? Have another bracelet that says, now Jesus do it. The worst thing in the world you could do is to try to be a Christian. It's my body, but it's his life in my body. Come on. Come on. This is Christianity. I mean, you're on that, you're on that bench press, right? And you're trying to get that thing off your chest. You just, ugh, right? I tried that. I tried to show off because my, my high school friend visited me from Columbus, Ohio. He comes out here. And it was, it was max day. Yeah. My friends visited me on max day. You know, you're in your young 20s and, you know, you're benching 300 and you just want to like show your friend, you know, the, the glory of young men is their strength. The glory of old men, Gary, is our, our gray hair, right? That's right. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. And if you had no hair, I'm not sure what to say about that. But, and so I'm on the bench, right? And and, and you know, when, when, you, when you can't get that, that weight off your chest, it's like not today. But I just had to try to show off, right? So I tried it and it didn't work. So then I tried it again. Duh. I tried it four times and ripped my rotator cuff, right? Yeah. But it's just young and dumb. Yeah. Well, here's the difference. When you're going through life and you've got something crushing you on your chest and you can't lift it off, when Christ lives in you, oh man, I can't get this grief, this loneliness, this depression, this fear, this anxiety off my chest. You say, Jesus. Everybody say, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, and then Jesus, man, he's like, on the inside of you going, come on, we can do this. Come on. I'm telling you, this is not hyper preaching. This is real. Amen. I am shocked at how I'm able to go through certain trials. Aren't you? Yeah. I'm not saying you won't deal with depression or fear or anxiety, but it's how Jesus kicks in when you're at the end of yourself. And you and Jesus are able to push that thing up, put it on the bar. Sometimes he's more like a spotter, like Jehovah's spotter, right? You know he just like... He could just, with his pinky, just put it on. It's like, why isn't God just lifting this off of me? I'm going to tell you why he's not doing that. But I want to say first and foremost, that one of the Holy Spirit's primary purposes is glorifying Jesus 
in you. It's not about you. It's about him. Did you know that, by the way? Did you know Christianity is not about you? It's about him. And the more him is seen in you, the more he is glorified. Because people realize, that ain't you. I know you. What is this peace? What is this patience? What is this long-suffering? What is this wisdom? What is this faith? Where'd that come from? It's Christ in me. We were at a men's event just recently, and I was sitting with uh, uh, a young man I just met, and his friend and I said how'd you guys meet and they were talking about it and and then this one guy said yeah and there was one point in his life we were in college together he came back from break or something and I said to him what happened to you I said what do you mean he goes he was just different he was calmer he had more peace he had more patience he had more joy he had more contentment he goes his face was his countenance was different and I said well what did you do he said my life all during COVID, all of my dreams had fallen apart. The career I wanted, everything I had planned, my plans just got annihilated, and I, I went into this funk, and I, I, you know, just lost control. And he said, I made the decision in that moment to just let Jesus have it all. You can have my life. I completely submit to you, Jesus. I said, I know what happened in that moment. I bet you I could tell you what happened in that moment. Exactly. That's what I said, Mark. I said, peace. Peace filled your soul. He goes, immediately. Peace. And then he goes to see his friend. His friend says, what happened to you? Christ in me. The hope of glory. The glory of is Christ-likeness. What is the purpose of this power in us? For you and I to become more like Jesus. You see, this is the difference. Besides grace itself, when we compare Christianity to all of the, quote, religions, grace separates us from every other religion. Every other religion on the planet is about working your way into God's approval. Working your way to heaven. Trying to be enough and do enough. Christianity is the only one that says you're all in trouble. Nobody's going to make it. Hopeless. Just cut it out. Stop trying. You're wasting your time. You'll never make it. But God loves you so much that he came down as a man in the form of Jesus Christ and paid the price for you. So you could have the free gift of salvation. See, that separates Christianity from every other religion on the planet. It's the only one that preaches grace. This is the other thing that separates. Every other religion is following a teaching, principles, a dead, a dead prophet, whatever. And we're, we're, we're living by the principles and by the teachings of our religion. In our own effort and willpower. We, as believers, say, forget that. Jesus, our Savior, our teacher, our prophet, is still alive. And I invited him into my life, and he entered my soul. And he's living his life in me and through me. I'm depending on him. 
Can I hear an amen, Mark? Can I, oh, come on. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. And so 2 Corinthians says this. So all of us who have had the veil removed, that means spiritual blindness, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. I'm not the same I was when I got saved. I mean, I haven't arrived, but I left. I'm somewhere in the middle between there and there. But I, I left, man. I am not the same guy. Now, look, I'm not talking about a personality transplant unless you need one of those. I'm talking about core values, passions, desires, um, uh, your nature of, of all, all, the, all the parts of your personality that, that maybe afflict others. I mean, there's, a, there's an essence to you that is divinely created. You're an expression of the nature of God, your personality who you are. You're made in His image. The Bible says that uh, we're made in His image and that, the, that we're crowned with glory and honor. But the, we, we fell from glory. And so now we're in this fallen state where our spirit is dead and separated from God. But you still have your personality. You still have your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. It's just all polluted and distorted and it's been, and it's been uh, morphed into something other than because of, all, because of sin, because of shame, because of uh, trials and, and uh, abuses and misuses and all that, right? And, we're, and here we are just trying to achieve and become gods. I mean, this is like we're trying to get back to that state of glory. But it's not us reaching up. It's Him reaching down. And moving in, he is restoring our glory. But it's the glory of Christ in us. We're going to be better than Adam and Eve were. Because Jesus is inside of us. This should give you hope. That's why it's called the hope of glory. All of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, all right? So the Holy Spirit and Jesus are the same. There's the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Are you the same that you were from the day that you gave your life to Jesus? I hear laughs. You're laughing at that old person. You know, the Bible says to you know, cast off the old self, right, and put on the new self. Now, God loves you just as you are. You know that, right? But do you also know He loves you too much to leave you that way? And He loves the people around you too much to leave you that way? As you walk with the Lord, the glory of Christ being formed in you, it takes a while. This is the part that I hate. Don't you wish you could just have microwave Christianity? Please, man, just put me in that spiritual microwave. Put me on 30 seconds, even a minute. I'll even go five minutes, right? Don't you wish you could get saved? And then it's just like the Lord says, 
start. Boom. There's a there's there's someone who looks just like Jesus, acts just like Jesus, loves just like Jesus. Ah. Gosh, I wish that was the process. Don't you? This other thing, ooh. And some don't, don't you feel like many times it's like one step forward, two steps back? Right? 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 You come in church, oh, okay, one step forward, 15 steps back? Is that what? <laughs> well, you just said, ha! I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about you. I'm saying what, the way you just laughed. I thought maybe you were saying, huh, I wish. I feel that way. It's like you come to church, right? You're filled with the Spirit, and you just, you just feel this love, and you're like, God, I'm so much like Jesus. And then you go out into the parking lot, and somebody dinged your car, right? Or you get in the car, right? And all of a sudden, your wife or your, your husband says something that it's like, it's like Jesus just left my soul, right? And all of a sudden, you have this fight on the way home from church. It's like, ah, and you're right, and this outburst of wrath and this, right? And this thing you said you forgave me for 10 years ago, but it came out of your mouth again. And then, you know, Ah, it's like, what? God, what is that? Well, that's Jesus pushing the bad stuff out. It looks like you're getting worse, but you're actually getting better. It's like, it's like gold that's in that, the, the furnace, right? And all these infirmities come to the top so that God can scrape them off, so that gold gets purified until one day you look just like him. In the meantime, it's a mess. But here's the good news. <laughs> Philippians 1.6. And I am certain. Everybody say, I am certain. That God who began the good work within you. That good work is you becoming like his son. From the inside out. I am certain that God who began the good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. God is not going to give up on you. You may give up on you, but he won't. You may feel like, I remember a couple months after I got saved, I said, I can't do this. My friends wanted me to go out and keep getting drunk with them. And, you know, I had a girlfriend and she wasn't a Christian. And I was trying, I was trying, I was trying. I, I just kept failing and kept failing. I'm like, I can't do this. I was about to just quit. I was going to walk away from, from this thing I thought was, you know, something special. And the guy that led me to the Lord said to me, did you save yourself? I said, no, Jesus did. He goes, then don't try to change yourself either. It saved my spiritual life. That was the day I learned that I'd have to depend on Jesus to change me from the inside out. And doggone it, he won't do it in 24 hours. It's a lifetime. And that's the bad news. That it takes a lifetime. But because we know that God is working on the inside and transforming us into the glory of Christ, the glory that we lost at the beginning of time, that this is what it's all about, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, that is why we never give up. Say that, say it, come on, say that is why I'll never give up. Come on, say it. 
That is why I will never give up. Why? Because God's not giving up on you. He's committed to Christ being formed in you. Paul says that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. Oh, really? The Apostle Paul whipped, beat, abandoned, shipwrecked, starved. This is why we, he says, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. See, that was the vision that he had. He understood what this was all about. Now I'm going to, it's even going to get worse. Yeah, it's going to get worse now. Because right now I'm going to approach a scripture that is about Christ being formed in you. But we've used maybe a secondary application as a primary application of this scripture. A lot of bumper stickers, a lot of magnets on refrigerators. Forgive me, but here we go. This scripture, Romans 8, 28. And for we know that all things, that in all things God works for the good. Everybody say the good. good. Of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, you know how we use this scripture. That God's going to take all your bad stuff and make it into good stuff. But that's not what this scripture is talking about. He does that because he's God. I mean, how many of you have seen him take a disastrous situation, the death of a loved one, the loss of a job, or whatever it may be, just something that's horrendous, the loss of a marriage, and somehow, in his masterful way, he eventually creates a new painting on a new canvas. Just raise your hands if you've had that happen. Yes, because that's our God. But that's not the primary application of this scripture. The good he is talking about is about Christ being formed in you. How do I know that? Because I kept reading. Here we go. For. Everybody say the word for. for. See, that's the conjunction, right? We know all things work together for good. Those who love God are called according to His purpose. What is His purpose? For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's his purpose. That one day, ugly you will look just like Jesus. That's the biggest miracle on earth. That you could literally reflect the son of God. What? You know, the other day I was taking a walk. And um, I, I caught this picture. Uh, Chris, can, we, can you show that picture? Off my phone, so it's not going to be clear, but look at that. What do you think that is? Sunrise? Sunset? No. Somebody said it. That's the moon. I was walking out by the Ramona Airport, and that thing started coming up, coming up over the mountains. I was like, wow. Now, here's the thing, though, family of God. The moon has no light of its own. How is that moon looking like the sun? Come on. What? 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 How is 
the moon that's a dead rock shining like the sun. Because this, it's reflecting the light, come on, of the sun. You are becoming more and more like Jesus, even if your spouse doesn't think so. You are becoming more and more like Jesus. You've got to believe this because it's the gospel. This is the gospel. You didn't just get saved to escape hell. You got saved so that God could transform this ugly, sinful creature into the image of the Son of God. That's why they called Christians Christians. It was a derogatory term. It was like Jesus freak. Because these people looked and acted like Jesus. They said, oh my gosh, you're like little Christs. Are people saying that about you? Yet. One day. It happens in measures. It just You become more and more like him. And the, and, and, the, and the horrible news, I just, I just got lots of bad news today. The horrible news is this does not happen through answered prayer. Answered prayer produces gratitude, but not godliness. It doesn't produce godly character. It produces thank you, but there was no effort. There was no pain. You see, David... When he reached his kingship, he went through suffering. And so he was the greatest king Israel's ever had. Joseph, a young punk who had a couple dreams from God, right? He ends up being prime minister of Egypt, but it took 20 years. And look at how he was, he was able to do that. Saul, on the other hand, was made king like that. And it didn't work because he, he didn't have a season of trial and testing and pounding where he became dependent on God. See? It's the trials, the suffering, the hardships, the heartaches. And you invite God into it. He's not going to remove it all. He's going to join you in it. And through that process, he's producing Christ in you. Look at what this says. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That he might be the firstborn, that means the preeminent one, not like he was born, firstborn, among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. How many of you have been called? Yes. You, you answered the call. Yes. Those he called, he also justified. The justified means it's justified, never done it. He cleaned your slate of sin. So your record is cleared. I justified him. And those he justified, he also glorified. The same glory, Will, that Jesus has, you are going to have. It began inside of you. Now it's growing up in you. And to our third point, the last point, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus' glory through you. And that is where you... As holy as you are, and I mean you have holes in your personality, in your character, in your attitude, in your followership of Christ, 
You just got all these holes and cracks. And, but the most beautiful thing is that this is you going out into the world. And now Christ who's in you shines through you. Now this isn't shining very brightly because the lights are on in here, right? Yeah, we're in church. Light's not bright where there's light. That's why I will never pray for you to get a job where the more Christians work there. What a waste of purpose. I won't pray that prayer. I want you in the darkness, just like Christ left the glories of heaven and came into this dark world as the light of the world. And then Jesus said to his disciples, now you go, you are now the light of the world. You go into that dark, nasty place that you work and where you go to school. That sports team that you're on. The family that you're going to spend the holidays with. Those in-laws. Those outlaws. You go into death. You go into a time, a place of suffering and grief. You go into these arenas and you bring Christ with you and now you shine in the darkness and they can see the glory of Jesus in you so they can be drawn to it. I'm going to close with this. How does he reveal Jesus through you? By showing and sharing the gospel. The showing is in Matthew 5, 14. Now this is your identity. This is your identity. I really pray that you grab a hold of this. That your purpose in life is not just to go to heaven. Your purpose in life isn't for God to be your genie in the bottle and you just get all of your prayers answered. Your purpose in life is for Christ to be formed in you and to begin to come out of you so that people can see him and be drawn to him. That's your purpose in life. You are the light of the world, Jesus says in Matthew 5, speaking to you. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a lampstand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Love, joy, peace, wisdom, forgiveness, long-suffering, kindness. This is you. This is Christ in you. What's the purpose? Watch this. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. That word praise is the same word glorify. When they see Christ in you and through you, it gives, causes them to look up to God because they know that can't be you. That's showing the gospel and then sharing the gospel. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from the people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, 
has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. This is where you and I come in. I'm going to read one more scripture in a moment. We're going to close. And we're going to pray. And we're going to ask the Lord to be the light of the world through us this holiday season. So we had uh, one of my uh, kid's friends got saved recently here at the gathering place. And this person, amen. Amen. Go, yeah, don't patty cake. All right. And, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. The sharing and the showing piece. The sharing and the showing piece. We showed him the love of Christ in our home. He, he, he comes from a very uh, hard place. He's had an unfair life. And so we've embraced him. And he's experienced our love. He's eaten our food. He's slept in our beds. He's watched our TVs. Right? We've driven him places. He's experienced the love. But that didn't save him. That drew him. He didn't get saved until he heard the gospel. Can I hear an amen? amen. Family of God. The glory of Christ resides within the gospel message. And when you share the gospel message, simple, simple. You don't have to get a seminary degree. You're a sinner. You're going to hell. God loves you. Came down to the earth in the form of a man, Jesus. Died on the cross for your sins. Broke sin, hell, death, grave. Rose from the dead. He's calling you. Will you come to him? If you will, your sins will be completely forgiven. And you will have the Spirit of God come into your soul. And when you die, you'll go to heaven and be with Jesus forever. That's the gospel right there. That was it. Little nutshell. Anybody can say that. A two-year-old can say that if they can talk. That message, the Bible says, is the power of God. That Paul said, the message is the power of God. Why? Because the glory of Christ is in that message. You speak that message to someone. They hear it. They mix their faith, they believe it, and they receive Jesus. In that moment, bam! It just happened last week. There was a gal that came up here. Her husband came up, and, or not her husband, her boyfriend came up for prayer. She came with him, and I turned to her and I said, have you ever received Jesus as your Savior? And she goes, she was looking around like this, thinking. I was like, okay, that means no, right? I mean, that's a no. If you're, if you're not sure, that's a no. And so I shared the gospel with her, what I just said to you right here. And I said, would you like to receive Jesus as your Savior? And she said, yes. So last Sunday, right there, I prayed with her. She received Christ. And then I asked her this question, which I ask everybody this question after they pray that prayer. What do you feel on the inside right now? She said, you ever heard this before? I feel like a weight just left me. What is that? What is that? That's the burden of her sin. Just lifted off of her. And this peace came into her. And her countenance changed. That's salvation. But that didn't come because we were showing her love. That came because we shared the gospel. 
The gospel is the power of God. That's why I'm going to close with the scripture. And all of this is a gift from God, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Did you know you have a task? What is God's will for my life? What is my assignment? Right here. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. When a Christian feels purposeless, bored, indifferent, when's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? That'll put you in the fray. That puts you back in the front lines, right? Lose a couple friendships, get persecuted, right? Be called a hater, a bigot, closed-minded, narrow-minded, old school, right? Out of touch, irrelevant, hater. Yeah, get out there. All right. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. We're not out there judging people for their sins. We're calling them to Christ. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You know that song, you're walking through the mall and you hear it, God and sinners reconciled? They're preaching the gospel through these Christmas songs. No? You never heard that? God and sinners reconciled? Can you sing that for us, Josh? Right now. Like, right from your seat. See? There it is. All right. Okay, here we go. We're going to close with these last two verses. So, everybody say so. So. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's what we're pleading to our relatives and to our friends and our neighbors and our work associates and our friends. God is through Christ in you is pleading with your friends, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. The Holy Spirit's primary purpose in your life is to glorify Jesus to you, in you, and through you to those around you. Let's all stand. Let's put our hand over our heart. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to make us shine brightly to those around us. Put your hand on your heart. And just follow me in this prayer, all right? Just say this out loud. Say, God. God. And you online, pray this prayer with me too. Say, God. God. Thank you. For promising to never giving up on me. And because you won't forgive up on me, I won't give up on me. Say, Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to me in me and through me say Lord Jesus shine your light 
through me this holiday season so people can see what Christmas is really all about. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen Amen and amen. Go ahead. Did you guys receive these on the way in? Okay, don't put them on the floor of your car and leave them there till New Year's Day. Don't throw them in the trash. Don't put them on your bookshelf. Don't use them as bookmarks. Hand them to somebody. That's such an easy thing to do and say, come to our Christmas Eve Eve service. Come with me. You'll love it. And I promise they're going to hear the gospel. And many of your friends may give their life to Jesus. And wouldn't that be awesome? you got to partner with God and do your part so He can do His part. Amen? Amen. We're going to close in a song of worship. And then the prayer teams are going to come up and be ready to pray with you for an infilling of the Spirit, healing of your body, whatever prayer need you might have. Let Jesus be Jesus in His own house. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy Every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Oh, we live for you. Lift our voice to Jesus today. Come on, church. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever. Sing worthy. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Above every other name, Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, live for you.
shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. 